Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Salted Hash. I'm your host, Steve Reagan, and today we're going to be talking uh, Red Team Stories with Phil Grimes, also known as Grape Ape. We're here at Circle City Con. So, uh, I don't know, think back to your years in the field, and uh, what, what are some of your favorite stories? There's so many. Uh, you know, it's a world full of fail out there, unfortunately. Um <laughs> Golly, I think one of my one of my favorites has to go with, uh, of course, you know, physical and social is a big part of what we do in the field, and um, that physical aspect can kind of take on many different forms. We we do the physical penetration testing where you know you're actually trying to get in, um, but in those cu- those customers clients that have a lesser mature security model or posture, it tends to be they're not ready for that. So how do we how do we really provide some value? And we do that through some walkthrough type physical testing. And what that means is usually we'll go in and sit and <clears throat> watch for for a day. And at the end of the day, we'll we'll walk through the facility and we'll point out the issues that we would exploit. And one of my favorite stories goes back to where um, I was in a restricted facility sitting watching for the whole day and for the most part it was business as usual it was just an office nothing out of the ordinary Um, and as many cube farms are set up it's the cube farm in the middle and then through the perimeter of the office they had the executives and nothing really of note there really wasn't much to complain about but I saw this one guy in the corner kept to himself didn't talk much didn't really do anything but every 45 minutes hour and a half he'd get up out of his office He'd walk across the office over to this big vault, and he would like stare at the vault like he's trying to use the Jedi mind trick to open it. Like I'm seeing, like really concentrating. And he'd stand here for a minute, and then he'd look, kind of do this like he's thinking, and then he'd open the vault. And I watched him do this literally every 45 minutes, hour and a half throughout the day, and I was like, okay, there's something. This is weird. So at the end of the day, you know, I go through the walkthrough and we're pointing out, oh, the camera's here, could go here to be better, eliminate a blind spot, you're tailgating, I could see several opportunities for tailgating, whatever. And then we get to this vault. And I'm do- I, so I do what I do, I emulated what I saw. And I tried and I tried to open that thing with my mind. Of course it didn't work. The Jedi mind <laughs> tricks only in the movies, right? right? Um, and then, and then I, I kind of did this thing. And just like we have above us here, drop ceiling, right? Written in pencil. In the, the slat of the drop ceiling was the combination. Type. Oh, are you kidding me? I swear, I swear. <laughs> um, so so that that is one of my favorite stories to tell. Not only did, in that engagement did we get access to the vault, um, we uncovered in an unlocked desk of the reception area keys to the front door. Uh, and in a post-it note in the production, or in the cube farm area, um, we found a post-it note that had a phrase on it. I thought, great, password. We showed it to the point of contact, and it turned out to be their uh, de-escalation phrase for the alarm to get tripped. So we had front door keys, we could call the call off the dogs, and I had access to the vault. Wow. That's, that's, wow. Okay. There was a story you told, uh, you did a talk in Ohio, like a, a year or two ago, and you and your team like set up an office like you actually took over somebody's office in this <laughs> building and you were sitting there for like what a week or something like tell me uh, that story what was that yeah story? so this was we had a, a week of there were several tasks in the assessment and the physical was the first and so um, i got on site um, 
8 o'clock Monday morning, sat and observed for a little while, and part of the task, too, was wireless, and I was bored, so I sat out and did some of their wireless stuff from the parking lot, and then I was like, screw it, it's about 9 o'clock, I'd only been there for an hour, uh, let's just go inside, and I wanted to see what happened. So this is a, a shared space. Um, when I get into the building, I was able to, they didn't have anybody to prevent you from getting into the space where they, uh, where the, the, the target was, mm -hmm. so I just walked on in to their floors um, where they had their own reception. So you have a reception area, and then they have the RFID badges to block you out. Well, I started tailgating. Tailgating all three of the, the target floors without any kind of an issue. Um, and this was one, I mean, I actually ended up sitting down and having lunch. They had a, a potluck, and I sat down with these people, and they welcomed me and fed me. And um, so toward the end of business, um, I was up on the top of their three floors, which turned out to be where all the executives play. And as I was wandering, I noticed a vacant office in the corner. So why the heck not? We set up shop in the, in the office, and uh, we were able to persist and maintain access through the entire week. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't until Wednesday of that week, uh, just after lunch, that I got, I got the first time I got confronted. So I'd had complete access the entire time. Um, Wednesday, my, the rest of my team was actually on site doing the internal pen test on their, tech, their IT floor. So I went down and, you know, as I was wa wandering and collecting my data, I just stopped to have a casual conversation with my team. So that's the first time I get approached. This guy comes up and he says, excuse me, who are you? So I'm, I'm Phil, who are you? And I can't remember his name, but I'll call him Rick. So I'm Rick, I'm the facilities manager, and I don't recognize you. Who do you work for? And so I, I'm brand new here, so nice to meet you. And I work with Steve, who was... Again, names changed to maintain right, integrity. Right, right, right. Um, and, and he's like, well, where's your badge? So I'm, I'm, they told me I'd have it by Friday. I just haven't gotten it yet. And he said, well, we, let's go and get you a visitor's badge. I said, well, you should go talk to Steve. He told me I didn't need one for this week. So you know, go, tell, go get Steve, and then if we got to go, I'll go get a badge, whatever. But i got to work. So he walked to go find Steve. Well, I changed Steve's name, so he was looking for someone who didn't really exist anyway that I knew of. And as soon as I lost sight of him, I dipped. I left. Mm -hmm. um, this guy on Friday, we came back for the debriefing, um, and I asked my, my, my team, do we want to check in and go in legit, or do you want me to show you how I've been maintaining access? So all four of us tailgated up through the back stairwell, and as we were coming down, the, it was just about lunchtime, they were coming out, and the facilities manager comes out the door, holds the door open for my, me and my entire team. Hey, great to see you again. Welcome back. And wow. lets us right on in. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we had, we had maintained <clears throat> access long enough to be able to, you know, make people comfortable. And even, even the guy that wanted me to get a badge and knowing that I dipped on him, give him a little bit of time. He forgot about it. And, but he recognized your face. Yeah, and so he, he just welcomed you. Come on. When, when you did the, the debrief at the end of that particular uh, job, what was the reaction when you explained, like, you know, I, I've had an office in your building now for an entire week, and you didn't know I was here? Um, well, so we kind of blew the whistle beforehand. We have a pause and contact clause to just keep everybody informed. Uh, so actually, um, at, the, at lunchtime on Tuesday, I blew the whistle. And uh, normally, we do that by just making contact and letting them know we're in the facility. But I called from the internal phone and did the, the calls coming from inside the house kind of thing. Um, you know, it was a fun reveal. Um, but they were, they were displeased 
only to an extent. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those things where this was a cultural problem. Um, and in fact, the management flat out said, you know, well, we're not going to have, we're not going to make our people question unknowns. We, we want this to be a welcoming environment. We want people to feel like this is a fun place to work. I mean, they touted being like one of the hundred best places in the state to be to work for or whatever. And that just doesn't help. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't help at all. And the thing is, questioning an unknown, I don't think that's being unwelcoming at all. In Absolutely fact, not. If, in fact, questioning the unknown allows you a chance to, to actually make them more welcome. Oh, Phil, you're the new guy. Listen, I'm Steve, facilities manager. I noticed you don't have your badge yet, so look, let's walk over and get you a visitor's badge. Oh, you're going to get it Friday. I understand. Friday, we'll have your face and everything on it. But for now, I need you to come with me. We're going to go and, and get this. And Well, I need to t I need you to go and, and talk to, to Rick. Rick's going to, you know, told me. I, so tell you what, we'll stop by Rick on the way there. But for now, let's just go get your visitor's badge. I mean, it's a good way to, to, to build rapport with people because, again, now later in the week, you've got your visitor's badge. Well, and, I mean, there's so many, I don't know, I mean... <clears throat> it's accountability and confrontation. First of all, I'm six foot five, two hundred and eighty pounds of ugly. You know, most people don't want to confront me in the field. All right, um, but the fact of the matter is that it's still our responsibility. You know, we are the IDS when we're in the office, so that's that's important. Uh, and another story that kind of goes along with this uh, was fairly recent, actually. Um, we were robbing a bank. And uh, no, not stealing money. This was a mortgage and securities bank, mm -hmm. um, and it was uh, you know another case of several floors of this building that I was trying to get into. And part of this engagement, they actually let us drop malicious USBs, and I was allowed to plug into locked workstations or whatever. And I found uh, again, this is a, a cube farm type environment, and I found this area that looked to be empty. I go in and I stick my bash bunny into one of the uh, locked workstations and no sooner than I watch the lights light up and I hear, excuse me, can I help you? Now, I don't scare in, I'm not, I can't say scared is the right word, but I was definitely startled because I cleared that place. If this was a gunfight, I'd have been dead. <laughs> she, she snuck up out of me, out, out of nowhere. And this was, I mean, I'm talking four foot, nothing, you know, real little lady. Ninja precision. <laughs> so she was ducked down behind, she was doing her work and came out and, and uh, you know, so again, I did the whole, you know, I'm new here. Uh, I'm just, I'm with IT. I'm collecting the asset tags on all the workstations on this floor um, she noticed no batch. I said, I'm new. I'm supposed to have it on Friday. She's like, oh, okay. And she sat back down and did her work. So later on that afternoon, I made contact with my, my point of contact to say, you know, I had a couple of confrontations. Um, and he said, yeah, somebody said something, but it wasn't an official report. So there was enough buzz that she, I made an impression with that woman that she felt it necessary or appropriate to talk to someone, but not to report it to someone who could do something about it. And there again is that whole cultural thing, right, about yeah. how they just, she didn't want to press the issue and hold me accountable and take me to somebody to do something. She didn't report it to her boss. And that can, I mean, 20 years ago, that could be scary and lead to loss. But today, that can be dead. I mean, yeah. we can, I mean, we that's, have, that's a risk. Yeah. That's a serious physical risk to, to not just you, but the, or, or the organization, but to you, more importantly to you. Um. <clears throat> And, and as you've recounted these stories, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times to where you found things in, you know, post-it pads inside of a desk drawer. You found keys. You were able to tailgate. Um, let's start with tailgating. 
is that still very prevalent? Early on when you talk about physical security or social awareness training, you would always say, don't let people follow you in the door, don't tailgate. So you've mentioned that twice. Is that really that common still? All the time. Really? All the time. And, and it's another one of those things where, you know, you're using body language, nonverbal clues and to, to build your pretext. So one of my favorite things to do is um, to carry donuts on a Monday morning. My hands are full. And if I'm following the sheep into the, into the slaughterhouse, so to speak, um, most of the time they're they going to hold the, hold door, the open, door for donuts. Because it's only polite to hold the door for the, the person whose hands are full. Yeah. We were all taught manners. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a thing. So another thing, uh, finding the stuff inside of a locked dress, er, dress a locked uh, desk, I mean, that's, it's not really anything that should surprise anyone because this is simply taking advantage of a normal business routine. So you're talking about, uh, you know, somebody who would write that that passphrase to disable the, to to call off the dogs for the alarm company. Of course, she's written that inside of the desk, or he's written that inside of the desk, because that's something that maybe they don't need to remember all the time, but it does need to be handy. I mean, it's a business process. So what can be done to improve stuff like that? Well, the first thing is uh, it was an unlocked desk, so if there's if there's a lock, lock it. If you open it, if you open it, close it when you're done. Um, and those kind of things um, go back to how pe- how people are raised. If uh, in my house, um, leaving the lights on when you left the room was a cardinal sin. Yeah, we're not the electric company. Uh, my wife, you know, I love her to death, but she is notorious for leaving every light on and trying to turn some of the lights at the neighbor's house on. <laughs> so I mean, th- that's just the way we were we were raised completely differently. Um, so because of that, we have a different outlook. I lock doors everywhere I go. I get out of the car, I lock the door. I could leave my house, I lock the door. You know, um, most of her family leaves their doors unlocked, not only when they at night while they're sleeping, but when they leave the house. And that just baffles, you know, my brain can't do, can't you know focus. how yeah, I think. I, my can, brain I can't, can't yeah, even I can't focus on that one. I lock the door right when I walk through. I'm in the house, the door's still locked. You know? it's, it's a thing. And, and so what can we do? Um, come back to the fundamentals. Uh, the, the basics of security apply to almost every facet of life. I mean, the, the, the fundamentals work. So, so locking the doors, closing the doors, and, and, and then going beyond that. So I understand you want to keep your passphrase handy in case you set the alarm off. Um, maybe don't put it out in a reception area. Maybe put it in a restricted area behind a couple of layers of security. Instead of, I have my building with a lock on the front door. I have a desk in the, in the front of the building, and that's where it sits. You know, put more layers to your security onion, and that will help to protect have you ever come across a company that seemed to have spent a lot of money on physical defenses, like bulletproof glass, locks, really heavy doors, key cards and retina scans and everything like that, and yet you just simply defeat all of that? If that's so, what was your common, like, really easy trick that just you walked right in that wasn't tailgating? That wasn't tailgating. That wasn't tailgating. Because obviously tailgating's a thing, so I could see you getting past all those defenses like that. Well, the last time you and I talked, um, you know, we talked about my experience with critical infrastructure. Yep. Um, that's where I used to spend a lot of my time and attention. And we did a lot of physical assessments um, for that space. Um, Was that the time you crawled under the fence? <laughs> we, no. <laughs> this is the time I walked in the front door. Um, they, we, we do regular ongoing assessments with most of these customers and it's an annual thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, we tested them a year before and they, this was a, 
level one Marsec facility. Like this was dogs, big deal. Mirrors under the yeah, car. This was a um, big deal. Uh, I tested. They, I wanted to. I didn't believe them, and they there. It was um, it was on a peninsula, so it was three water, three sides of water, and then one side of land. Well, we were going to be stupid. We took a boat out, and we were going to come and hit them from one of the sides on the water. I got met by a Coast Guard cutter with a 50 cal and escorted back to shore. They were saying hello. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so this was no-joke security. Like, they were were the real deal. Um, We walked in the front door. I set up a job interview. I pretended like I was there to get a job. I met with my people. They took me into their boardroom. Um, this boardroom just so happened to also be their emergency response center. So they had uh, this desk. It's about the size of the table we've got here, uh, but it was those security desks with the locking. You know, it's supposed to be all locked up or whatever. Um, the only equipment you could really get to was they had a radio transceiver, uh, and there was a keyboard, but I couldn't see the screen, couldn't touch the mouse. <clears throat> but playing and looking at the thing, actually, this... This scar right here is actually from this retest we're talking about. <laughs> because looking under uh, under the desk as I was examining this target, they left me alone for a few minutes. So I had some time to check this desk out, and I get under it. And this thing is built really well, except right under here, it's total access. So you can reach in, and I can touch the boxes. Uh-oh. Okay. So they shored that vulnerability up by putting some chicken wire covering this. And I, it was, it was bolted on three, and I was able to push through, stick my hand, and, and you I got pulled out because yeah. he came in, he came back. I was able to drop my bash bunny. We were able to get a get a shell, and I took I took home a little bit of a battle scar from that. But we walked right in the front door, and it was all just door. in a regular pretext of, I mean, people put trust. You don't know who I am. You think that I'm there for a job interview, and you leave me unattended for one minute, and I will rain down terror on your world. That, I mean, but yeah, and that, that goes to something uh, Jason Street had mentioned years ago in one of his talks. Nobody goes to work expecting bad things to happen. So naturally, you know, a person coming in for a job interview, they're not going to be like, 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 this guy's here to wreck the facility. He's here to get a job. He wants a paycheck. So let's just, yeah, he'll be fine in that room. The cabinet's locked. That desk is locked. He can't play with anything in that cabinet. What's he got? A radio and a telephone. What's he going to do? Call for pizza? I mean, he's not, he's like, yeah, I could see why they would instantly uh, assume they were protected for those little measures but you've got a, a valid point you drop the bash bunny and ta-da there you go bob's your uncle this has been awesome i i, I actually love listening to your stories so so tell me one more what what's another what's another red team story that you think of and then i've got one follow-up question for you There's just so many. Has there ever been a, a time when you've done something to where it wasn't necessarily hard or easy, but you were flabbergasted, like actually floored that you were able to even do this, like get away with it, or, or it, it, it even happened? Yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity to do a physical assessment and test the loss prevention team for a retail organization. And they wanted, um, I call it the Michael Weston experience, for those of you who are familiar with the uh, Burn Notice. Burn Notice. Great yeah, TV right? show. Um, and and they, were, they said, you know, we've got a crack team. We really want you to give us your best. We want you to come in and steal from us. How much can you steal? So they set us 48 hours, and they give us permission to steal. $25,000 in 48 hours. From a retail establishment, I'm talking a general type store, think mm-hmm. a Walmart type thing. Um, 
the most expensive was a $2,000 diamond ring. And the biggest was a canoe. I walked out of the store and stole a canoe. <laughs> how were you? How were you able to pull this off? Like, how, like the ring? How did you get the ring out of the case? Uh, what, so what? this was a this was a three party. We had three people on the team. Um, two were two approached the desk and were shopping for jewelry, um, and then the third was a distraction. So we had we we uh, I call this the human buffer overflow. We've got the we've got the uh, target. With their resources spread thin, bifurcated with these two people who are shopping, right? And then our distraction comes in, causes the diversion, and then we're able to steal. So uh, the way that it worked is one of our one of our shoppers um, was able to get the the jewelry attendant to open the sliding door. We timed that for the diversion, looked away, grabbed the ring. Them. Nice. I'm assuming the, the the canoe. You just put it on your shoulder. And a walk clipboard over. and a work order. A clipboard and a fake work order. We printed a work order off. I walked in, grabbed the canoe, walked out, and the guy was like, "Hey, um, you know, you want me? You want me to help you load that?" I was like, "No, I got it. Work order. We're, we're good." Just walked right on out, and that was it. They would have helped me load it. I have no <laughs> doubt. But so when you turned in the report on that one and like showed them all the merchandise, what was their reaction? Were they like blindsided? Or? Um, they fired about eighty percent of their loss prevention team. Do you think that's fair when that happens, like in situations like that? Like a, a red team finishes their assessment and suddenly people are losing their jobs when... Here's the problem. I can I call this poison in the well. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially if you realize that your leadership in that position is a problem and is training poorly or improperly, it's almost impossible to correct that training. So yeah. you almost have to burn the house down and rebuild. So Makes do sense. I think it's fair? No. Uh, but I do think that it's necessary, especially if there's the potential for large-scale loss like that. And retailers, this is a retailer who is often targeted and has a lot of fraud and a lot of like people will go and buy some merchandise and then try to return it. I, uh, I actually had, they bought, I, I saw a case where they bought a box, a boxed item, took it home, took the item out, put old phone books in, boxed it back up, took it back and got store credit. So, like, those, those types of things are a big deal. So, I mean, if they're not able to stop the blatant attacks, what makes them think they're going to be effective? So it's, it's not fair, but it's necessary sometimes. It, it had to happen. So the final question for you is one I ask uh, a lot of people when we talk about these kind of topics is, how do you define social engineering? What is social engineering to you? Um, social engineering, to me, is hacking the human connection. And as, as we both know, we're old school. Hacker, it doesn't mean today what it used to mean. Yeah. When I say hacking the human system uh, or the human uh, uh, relationship there, that's like, I don't necessarily mean that I'm trying to break something, but I'm trying to manipulate it to meet my needs. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, is social engineering, manipulating that, so, that human connection um, to, to whatever the needs or means of the attacker. Excellent. Phil, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me. This was a lot of fun. It's my privilege. If you want to learn more about red teaming or physical assessments or anything like that, don't forget to check us out at CSOonline.com. Again, my name's Steve Reagan, and this has been Salted Hash. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.